Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Wait a second. Shazam! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a Geeksplained Extra series that we're calling Into the Snyderverse. I am your host, Eric Azana, newly minted with the powers of the wizard, and uh, I am joined by my two compatriots on this magical journey through the seven realms. First, from the Artistic Liberties podcast, we have Andrew Kincaid. Uh, hey, folks. <laughs> Classy as always. <laughs> always. And, <laughs> and from Scripts and Screams, we have Chris Carter. How you doing, man? Hello, everybody. I, I will have to sentiment uh, Andrew's uh, kind of introduction there, too, because I'm feeling it for this one. Just putting it out there now. <laughs> this is this is going to be a very special episode. We I can feel it. I can feel the energy in the air. Um, this week, if you couldn't tell from that incredibly Oscar-worthy intro... Um, we're covering Shazam from 2019, uh, directed by David F. Sandberg with uh, a screenplay by Henry Gaiden. And um, this, so I'm, I'm going to let you guys talk first. Um, Andrew, do you remember seeing this film for the first time? Uh, I do remember yesterday, Eric. I remember Wonderful. yesterday pretty well. <laughs> uh, I remember, you know. Going onto my couch, sitting there as as you do, going on to HBO Max sponsor, and pressing play and enjoying a really a G-rated movie, just trying to disguise itself as a PG thirteen experience. All right, coming swinging right out the gate, love that. Chris, do you remember the first time you saw Shazam? I did, uh, or I do actually. Um, I sadly saw it in the theater. Uh, with, of course, Jessica Dustin and our friend uh, Kendron. And so, uh, the, you know... Shout out I, to Kendron. I'm not going to... Shout yeah, out to Kendron. I'm not going to... I'm not going to get into too much of it now because I do share the PGG, PG-13 muckery that, that, that Andrew alluded to. Um, but yes, I do remember when I and where I saw it. And I've seen it... I saw it again last night for free, thank God. Um... <laughs> And yeah, it, it was one of the. We'll, we'll we'll get into it. Yes, I remember it, and yes, it is exactly how I remember it when I first saw it. So this is an interesting movie. Uh, Shazam has been in development since the year two thousand. They've been trying to get this off the ground for at at the point that this was released nineteen years. And initially, when they first started to try and get it together. The big push came in 2008 when Rock the Dwayne Johnson attached himself to the project in an acting and producing capacity. And he basically said, I am going to put this on my shoulders and we are going to take this to the promised land. In 2010, however, the project was shifted to be a TV series due to Warner Brothers thinking that Shazam in both appearance and power set was too similar to Superman, and they didn't want him to conflict with the upcoming Man of Steel that would be released three years later. So the film was basically in development hell for years and years and years until 2014 when Dwayne Johnson went, wait a second, I'm still attached to this, guys, we should make a Shazam movie. We should make this happen. 
And so he made this huge thing about, like, we are going to make a Shazam movie happen. And this was right around when uh, DC and Warner Brothers were like, we've got a whole slate that's going to include a 2020 slate that has a Cyborg movie and a Green Lantern Corps movie. Those were the days. And <laughs> and Johnson <laughs> made it very clear. He was like, I'm going to be in this movie. But as who? And he started kind of beating it back and forth. Am I going to be Shazam? Am I going to be Black Adam? Am I going to be Shazam? Am I going to be Black Adam? Back and forth, back and forth he went until he finally decided three years later in 2017 that he would be Black Adam. And for about six months, the plan was for uh, Black Adam to be the main villain of the Shazam movie. And right around near the end of 2017, uh, Dwayne Johnson left the project, basically saying that he wanted to do a solo movie instead as Black Adam. And so following that, uh, director David F. Sandberg attached uh, was attached to the project. He's worked on such things as uh, Annabelle Creation, I think is the one he did. Yeah. Chris, you could correct yeah. me on that. Um, and voila, here we go. The film you see today. Uh, basically, this film is pitched as Big Meets Superman. And what they don't tell you is that this is also a Christmas movie. This <laughs> film is set around Christmas time. And um, I have a feeling. I just, my spidey sense is tingling. I have a feeling that we are going to have a very... Very interesting conversation about this because I enjoyed this film and I have a feeling that you two did not enjoy this film. <laughs> so, Andrew, I want to talk to you first about this uh, because like myself, you do have that comic book background. You do know uh, what's the haps with Billy Batson, Captain Marvel and Black Adam. Uh, how did you feel about the movie when it was announced, when casting announcements started to be made and when we started to get our first initial looks at the characters well i mean it's i i can't say that i was the biggest captain marvel i mean i'm i'm sorry shazam fan even though he is Still captain, captain marvel, marvel. And me too man me too i'm very <laughs> rather surprised to hear that it's taken 19 years to make a shazam move i will i would have expected longer because Shazam slash Captain Marvel is one of the first superheroes almost created after mm -hmm. Superman. And so much so that he, he was actually more popular than Superman or Batman at, at a certain point in the 1950s. I, it wasn't even it wasn't even that long. Like, honestly, um, early to mid 40s, he was already outselling Superman. And like he was like he was. Actually, he holds the distinction for being the very first superhero to be brought into a live action adaptation because his his uh, fucking Shazam uh, cart or uh, TV serial was the first like live action uh, superhero production. So he has been very popular for a while, even as the four or five times he's fallen into obscurity. It's a character that's been like around pop culture for like just generations at this point so it was kind of surprising to kind of realize oh they've been working not as long as this character's existed but i remember the announcement when it was like finally concrete 
uh, for like this one for the 20 in like 2014. And I remember being at a bar with you yeah, and explaining my pitch of just like the best option they have is to have a small little 14 year old black kid from the inner 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 city of some kind of some DC property and to have that little have that 14 year old kid just suddenly turn into the rock. That's a solid movie right there. That is so much fun. And I could absolutely see The Rock playing like this part. Because I remember The Rock from like a bunch of crappy movies, like The Tooth Fairy and a bunch of like trying to be this family friendly figure. And then when it was like confirmed of just like, I'm going to be Black Adam. It was this moment of just like, God damn it. God damn this. <laughs> God damn it. We can't have any nice things. We can't have a single progressive moment in this goddamn country, can we? Wait, really? Really? Who did not see this golden opportunity? And I completely blame Johnson. I completely blame the pro wrestler ego of just like, I have to. I want to play heel. Exactly. I want to be a heel, <laughs> but I want to be a superhero at the same time. So we're blinking, we're making Black Adam a superhero, which makes no sense in if you're a, if you're a fan of just comics, because Black Adam is a very cool character. Oh, super cool. I don't blame him for wanting to play him. Like it's it's a great it could be a really cool part. It's just like how he's been presenting it is just very very strange to me. I like that uh Boss Logic art that he collaborated mm-hmm. with him. That sort of teaser or image looks really really cool for sure. But like I just yeah, I just see like a missed opportunity. And like watching the movie, it kind of just cemented that for me. And that's really well, kind of all I got on that part. And it's interesting because I do remember you making that pitch, like when that we were we were drinking and we were like shooting back and forth ideas on what they could do. And I was deeply in the camp of I can't even remember his name, but um, but sticking with that that tried and true, like large, muscular white man thing. And when you gave me the rock pitch, I was it just clicked for me that it would be perfect. And the rock is absolutely goofy he has that million dollar smile that lights up a room like um i could go on just talking about how attractive he is but i (laughs) we we all could but i think true go ahead like one point i just i'm so sorry to interrupt but something i realized that i that i wanted to make a point on like watching the jumanji movie that recently (laughs) came out with him (laughs) also cemented more to me of just like oh you could have done this and you mm. could have been great at it because he because he'd done it before and he did it yeah. astoundingly. Absolutely, and that's you know that that's actually a really good proof of concept because in Jumanji he does play an adult character that is actually really a a teenager at that point, and I I honestly I think that The Rock definitely would have killed it as Shazam. I think I'm really interested in his take on Black Adam and. By the way, I want to preface this. We are recording this far in advance from when we uh, are actually going to drop this. So at the moment that we're recording, DC Fandom hasn't happened. DC Fandom is supposed to be... It's actually this weekend as we're recording this where they're going to be like unveiling the first real look at That's Black Adam. And the, and the and Batman, Batman as well. They've got a ton of stuff. I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, but it's it's really interesting because we don't we know next to nothing about this film except for the fact that it's gonna be um, uh, an older 
like period piece esque thing. He's gonna go up against the Justice Society, and we all already have Adam Smasher cast. That's the only things we know for sure in that in that movie. And I'm a huge JSA guy, so I will be glued to that. But um, that's really all we know about this. So going into this film, we kind of knew at this point, like, okay, Dwayne Johnson isn't going to appear. He might have a cameo. He might not. We don't know for sure. All we know is that this is going to be made. It's going to it's going to be made or broken by the performance of the man who actually got the role of Shazam, and that is Zachary Levi. Chris, do you have any feelings either way on Zachary Levi when it comes to him as a person, as an actor, any performances that he's had before? You know, um, I'm old enough to remember. I, I, do you guys remember Chuck on NBC? <laughs> back you... in my day, there was a show <laughs> called Chuck. Way back in 2005. <laughs> you know, because that was like 60 years ago at this point. I know, at this point, right. <laughs> but um, my parents were huge fans of that show. So so my introduction to Zachary Levi was then. And uh, ironically enough, he kind of plays a similar character to him now. And I think the dude's got solid acting chops. I don't know. So this is one of those situations where I don't have any of that prior knowledge you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Shazam or, or the kid or whatnot. So for me, it was just kind of gauging Zach Levi on how what he brought to that character. And with and externally, I thought he was okay. I mean, there are issues I have, like Andrew mentioned, with the bodysuit which looks ridiculous and it's clearly a bodysuit because Chris Evans wears one too. Like they ever, everybody wears one. They just fits better to the man. This one looks like mm-hmm. it's a Halloween costume. You picked up at Halloween <laughs> express and you know, these puffed out shoulders and, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but as an actor, Zach Levi going in, he's entertaining, he's engaging, he's charismatic. I think that's, that's a big part of it. So when he was cast as that, um, I was kind of, I was I was okay with it. I'm like, all right, all right, I can I can get behind this. And plus, he had he hadn't done anything like that, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so for me, I, I was excited about it. Um, yeah, the other parts of the cast is great too because I think that I can't think of the. Of course, I can't remember it. Um, the kid who was in it, uh, who plays Richie in it, uh, uh, Jack who, Dylan Grazier. He's incredible. Like he's this fantastic kid is in this movie. Great, right? Yeah. Like, so when him. When he's on camera and on screen for me, I'm like, oh, man, this kid's great. So you have this dynamic between Zach Levi and this kid. And it's like, holy shit, this is this is where I think Shazam Shazam really shines for me in the acting department. Absolutely. I think honestly, because the kid that they got to play Billy Batson, Asher Angel, he's like one of the Disney kids. It's whatever. Um, He does a serviceable job. I think he's a. He's one of those kids who's who we've all seen it. The Disney kids want to jump out and do some right. like actual acting and they, you know, they start to find how their toolkit is different outside of the Disney bubble. For Jack right. Dylan Grazer, I thought he he was the best part of the movie for me. The fact that yeah. he I looked yeah. at him and I was like, "Oh shit, that's me just with a crutch at that age." Like he's <laughs> so obsessed with superheroes. Every scene he's wearing a different superhero shirt. He's got like these dorky collectibles. He's like, "Oh yeah, it's a replica of the Batarang, but like whatever, man." And like I honestly think that the energy that he had matched with Zachary Levi's really well. So I almost would have um 
I almost would have, if I could have, would have made uh, Jack Dylan Grazer Billy Batson because he his energy matches Zach Levi's. And while that does really help for their scenes, because their scenes are just the best when just tall ass Zachary Levi, 40 year old Zachary Levi is running around with this like tiny <laughs> Jack Dylan Grazer. I thought it was fantastic. Um, if I can yeah. interject this as well, uh, as you all know, because you've hopefully watched the movie before listening to this, um, the Shazam family does appear in this. And I think that um, the Freddy that they got for this, Adam Brody, did a spot on Jack Dylan Grazer impression for that role. I was like, oh, that's great. The two of them matched so well. And I'm fortunately, I can't say that about the rest of them. Um One or two of them for sure, but not all of them, though there is a quick, I want to just put this trivia out here, Um, the uh, Shazam version of, oh god, I think his name is Hector, um, is uh, played by DJ Catrona, and DJ Catrona and Adam Brody were also on the original cast for Justice League Mortal, DJ Catrona was going to play Superman and Adam Brody was going to play The Flash, so... Even when you think you're out, Warner Brothers will pull you back in. Um, I think, honestly, they've got some good people playing um, playing these roles. Some of them are casted very well. I think it's funny that Jimon Hanso, who plays uh, the wizard Shazam, is now technically in both Captain Marvel movies because he was also um, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Scourge in, in uh, the Brie Larson Captain Marvel, which I think is hilarious. I think he does a serviceable job. Faith C. Herman as uh, as Darla, the the youngest of the uh, of the Shazam kids, walks a really fine line between being enduring and being annoying, and I think she does that well. And her adult version, Megan Good, does a great job mirroring that as well. Um, I also I also really liked Mary. Uh, she's played by Grace Fulton. The younger version of her is just so spot on for Mary Marvel, and. The fact that, like, they aged her up for that, I wasn't really, I don't know, I didn't connect as much with that actress. But I think, you know, overall, there are strong casting choices here. And I think one of the strongest is, uh, at the same time, one of the people who got the least amount to do, and that's Mark Strong as Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. I was literally... I was literally thinking that as you Savannah said. Savannah is yeah. a really interesting character because he is nothing like the Savannah in this movie. You can clearly tell that this role was originally supposed to be Shazam because automatically out of the gate, they do a good job, I think, uh, putting him in this kind of mode of like, okay, he wants the wizard power. He doesn't have the wizard's power. He uses the power of the seven deadly sins and... He uses that to match with Shazam. But there was a moment during this film where they're fighting and Savannah goes, give me your power. And I thought to myself, why do you want it? You're already kicking his ass. Like you have the same powers. Why do you even want this power? And unfortunately, it really doesn't give Mark Strong as an actor a whole lot to do. He's a bit one-dimensional, which sucks. He's very... There's a really strong start for him. And I think the uh, boardroom slaughter scene is one of the strongest scenes in the movie. But for me, I just... I really wish that he had gotten more to do and we had gotten to sympathize with him more. Because I think if we do get that Shazam 2 and he reappears as the actual scientist Savannah, he could really bring a lot more to that. 
Andrew, as someone who knows Savannah and you had a very audible and visual reaction to when we brought up Savannah, how did you feel about um, about Mark Strong and kind of the adaptation of this character? Why, why Warner Brothers, are you wasting Mark Strong? Like, stop it. Just stop it. True. You did it in Green Preach. Lantern and you did it in Shazam. Mark He's Strong deserves Sinestra. better. He was a good Sinestro, but he was a wait, but he was just wasted because that movie is wasted. In Everyone general. was wasted in that movie. <laughs> Everybody was wasted in that movie. So I'm, I'm still putting it against them. It, it's, it's just frustrating because there's, like, there's, it. Everything that this character does is so kind of just played by played. And it's this thing of just like, I can never really connect because I have no idea why he's doing this. And that's kind of my overall feeling with the whole movie in general. Like, it feels like there's multiple paths of like different lessons the movie is trying to convey. And at no point do they really cement what they're trying to say in this movie. At times it's like, oh, be grateful of your of who you are as a person. Be grateful for the family that you get thrown into. It's Christmas for some reason. And like and it's the same thing with this villain character. Like I'm looking at it just like, okay, so you've got daddy issues and then you kill daddy. So you're done here, right? It's like, no, I want more power. All right, well this is <laughs> This is every other supervillain in every other or supervillain in every other superhero movie, which, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just kind of this wasted thing. And then I look at the seven deadly sins and I'm just like, how, how do we get here? Is this sort of like a Pandora's box thing? Is this mm-hmm. supposed to be like some sort of commentary on something? But it's just kind of just thrown away of just like, oh, they're just the CGI bad guys and they're just going <laughs> to kill people i guess again again for a dc film yeah no exactly Well, and and honestly i mean the seven deadly sins have always kind of been an enemy for shazam in the comics except back when it was created they were the seven enemy the seven deadly enemies of man but like it's i think there's a lot that you could do with that if you made them individual characters kind of like they do in like full metal alchemist um but for here, like, having them just be these, like, nameless, shapeless creatures, like, during the final battle, Shazam actually has to, like, guess which one's which, because they never establish it, and that was a little odd, but um, for me, I think it was it was almost they were there for a plot device so that the Shazam family could fight them at the end, which is unfortunate because I don't think as much as I like the Shazam family as just a construct, um, it takes away from Billy being special and it feels really rushed in this movie. I could absolutely see them doing it for like just Freddie or Freddie and Mary, the next movie over like in a sequel. And then you got to, worry about oh like billy only has a certain handle on these powers now he has to teach freddie and mary how to deal with them but it does feel a little rushed at the end and i completely agree like it felt like that whole concept like the entire family could have been built up upon and like we could have gotten like a really cool sort of chronicle scenario with freddie in like the second movie where he's suddenly (laughs) right like he's suddenly you know he's uh, going from disabled to abled, he's got so much powers, and that goes full into on his head. On. Yeah, and like that could have been that could have been something, but then we just kind of rush into that, and like there's no payoff to it. That's what is really frustrating to me. Is like it's this thing that if you're a comic book fan, 
then you're going to really appreciate it. It, mm-hmm. Or at least you're going to try to appreciate it. But if, like, for Chris, who I'm sure when you just saw them pop up, it's just like, great, it's more kids with superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chris, t- yeah. T- tell me, because this this film does a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to, like, world building and lore and putting in a bunch of, like, DC Easter eggs and stuff. As somebody who is, you know, a filthy casual, how did you, like, feel about how they got <laughs> those ideas across? Did anything... Did anything land for you, or was everything pretty much a miss? Um, okay. Uh, how can I say this without being rude? It's not. It wasn't a <laughs> miss for sure, right? It. it <laughs> Do Andrew will Andrew will always it, go for the rude card. So absolutely, I know. <laughs> so so when me and Jessica were watching this, um, she she laughed at a couple points, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's it's funny. Here, my biggest issue with this film. I missed a lot of what was out there. Like, if there were Easter eggs, I missed a shit ton of them. Like, because I just didn't – I first of all, don't – I'm not that versed in the property. For me, Mm -hmm. Shazam was just – I just kind of came into it this year. And I have a ton of issues with the tone fitting in with the DCU. I just – Right. I mean, if we look at this film compared to where they started from, which isn't fair, right? Because I think – uh, at this, that point in time, four years maybe had passed, I, I, I think. Lots of but things changed Ma- in that time. <laughs> yeah, sure, right? But here's but we're still trying to continue some sort of, or create some sort of continuity between the universe. And I do think that there was a shift. I think there was a shift in Aquaman. And there was maybe, uh, if there was a 50-50 split, it happened in Wonder Woman, then fully in Aquaman. And then I really think um, in this, and I, and, and I think maybe even Birds of Prey, but we'll talk about that later. For me, the, for me, the the biggest issue I have with this film is that it's, it, and Andrew nailed it. It's a PG superhero film. That it's about family. Takes place in December. It's like none of these things are interesting to me as a forty one year old dude. It's like <laughs> I, it's just to me. I just don't. I don't. And this is must be how my mom felt when I was watching things like Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. She just didn't give a shit. Because she couldn't relate to any of that anymore. And I, I don't feel like I can relate to that now. Sure, there's the whole, again, like Andrew mentioned, you know, love your family. Love the family that you have. Okay, cool. But that's rudimentary. That's very topical. That's not like something that we need to explore on, on a cinematic level. Um, you know, I think it's funny. I think it succeeds at being a kid's superhero movie. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest problem I have with it, that it's a kid's superhero movie. And when I went to go see Man of Steel and no in no arena or dark corner of my mind did I think I'd go see a film like Shazam less than half a decade later when right. you know it to me. So there's, so I know I just totally did not answer your question as best I could have, but I just had to get that out there about, <laughs> no, I, 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 about I think I got, you did. I got to say this. And, <laughs> and honestly, I think as a side note, I think it's hilarious that you were like, Maybe I'm old, but like, do you guys remember Chuck? But then you drop a Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> reference and keep moving oh, on, like we just didn't hear you. <laughs> but, I would, we could um, past that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I think I definitely get what you're saying. Um, for like, I think I definitely agree that it it absolutely does not fit in what we would call the Snyder trilogy of like Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League, that kind of like world i think i have a better um i think i would have better luck trying to fit that into like an aquaman like you said or a wonder woman world where those seem to be in a world with different rules and different tones and different themes 
Um, I do like the comedy. I think that, you know, it is clearly made for kids. I think that there are certain things that I really enjoy. Um, the, the, the superpower testing, I, I still think is a fun time when they're just like trying to figure out what his powers are and they keep like trying stuff out. They do the one where it's like, all right, teleportation, they put him in a box and then Freddie like changes it, scratches it out and puts fire immunity and goes and lights the box on fire. Uh, I think it's they they do a good time with it because they know what the movie is trying to be. They know they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. But I think with them trying to fit it into this like, hey, we are going to do our best to make a fun superhero comedy that's also wish fulfillment for kids. I think this is exactly what it needs to be. Um, and I I think I I think, honestly, we wouldn't see, like, a Ben Affleck Batman being made into a toy in the (laughs) Zack Snyder world that they have in the little, like, toy (laughs) store when he takes him and he throws him. Shout out to Kevin Conroy, who voiced that Batman. Get a Batman! Like, but I honestly, like, I liked a lot of that tone. Once you kind of check into, like, okay, this is what the tone is, you're able to... for me, I'm, I was able. I was more open to knowing what we were getting. Um, I think it's yeah. to say that these are in the same universe is tricky, even trickier when you look at the ending of the film. But um, I think it's it's interesting to me that yeah. they decided, okay, this is going to be what we have. We are going to make a joke. We are going to make as many jokes as possible. They even they. You know, we do get, as you guys talked about before, we get another mirror image final fight at night. But I do like that they, like, poked fun at it when they were both, like, floating across the city from each other. And, like, Savannah's doing his big old speech and, like, Billy just can't hear him. And he's like, what are you saying? Like, I, there are cars and you're super far away. What are you talking <laughs> about? Like, I, I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed, I mean, I'm, I'm a simple man. If I see a superhero stopping a transit vehicle from falling off of a cliff i applaud that's just what i do so that bus catch scene i really enjoyed especially because he caused the crash and that was it it was a teaching moment for him it's not perfect but i really enjoyed for what it was i also liked the flight scene, the first flight scene that is how you do a joyous first flight scene realizing you can fly Zack Snyder and Man of Steel. Like, he was yeah. like, oh my god, I can fly, this is great. Gets hit by the truck. Like, it's... They know what they're doing, and they realize that it's for kids, but I think they do it well enough that it's palatable for older audiences as well. It's not ever going to be set up to be like, hey, you can go from uh, Batman v Superman to watching this right away. But I think it's... There's a certain cognitive dissonance there that I personally put this in a separate universe you know dc multiverse and whatever but it is something that is troubling for people who are trying to like follow along i know that andrew you have a very um analytical and critical eye when it comes to following along with the continuity with the conflicting tones throughout the whole series if you don't know that by now go back and listen to all the episodes of this series (laughs) and you will hear how just how in-depth andrew can get um, how did you feel about the choice? I know it's not a popular or it's not the best choice that they could have made to make this a comedy, but I would say that if they 
I think they were going for like a, oh, you know, Age of Ultron was really dark, and then we had Ant-Man as a palate cleanser. Do you think they were trying to go for that, or do you, what do you think the goal was with this? You see, I can't imagine them making a uh, Zack Snyder-esque uh, Shazam movie. Like, the, like sure. if you're going to have, like, that's the greatest thing about comic book characters and especially superheroes. And in truth, the DC, a comic book verse, you have such a different array of meals to an overall all, all sort of dish or you, you have multiple dishes to an overall meal, I should say. And Shazam should absolutely be cotton candy. It should mm-hmm. absolutely be for kids because it's about a kid turning into a grown man with superpowers like that already is funny a funny idea in itself so it's this thing of just like i'm not mad at what they tried to do i just kind of think that there was a better way to do it like Mm -hmm. i the comedy is very hit and miss for me mainly because i just don't i never believe that zachary Levi is actually trying to play a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. He just kind of just seems like he's trying to play like a 20-year-old or just he's just kind of playing the Zachary Levi character. Well, he dyed his hair black for this. He's younger now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when he <laughs> said just, I'm in my mid-20s or at least my 30s. And I'm just like, you are 52, sir. You are absolutely. <laughs> he's not that old, is he? <laughs> No, he's not. I, I, I just love making that joke. Um, but it, it and like, but you're absolutely right. Like that moment where they're standing between each two, uh, each other in the middle of a city, and Shazam is just like, I can't hear you. Are you like what? What are you saying, man? Like that's a solid superhero joke. That is a solid superhero joke in like the the era of or the same like sort of sort of way that like when Deadpool had the superhero landing joke like that was like Absolutely. just like all right that is very self-aware and that is a that is a good joke right there Eric. um like but no, like the whole thing is if just like if you're going to give me a shazam movie absolutely go into the comedy and absolutely go into the one where it's just like hey you couldn't take your kids to see batman and superman which is just a sin in on itself <laughs> <laughs> right like like you should be able yeah. to take your kids to a superman movie like you should absolutely take your kids to a superman movie but if but if you can't do that if we're gonna make that serious drama then having an outlet to where you can like shazam is absolutely the way to go and like that was a good decision on their part i do think that again it, you could have made a great endearing story that would have been way less confusing and just kind of it it was just all over the place for me and there were so many moments where i was just like this doesn't make any sense his mom just left him and just disappeared i will say i actually really liked that i i thought that scene was acted really well asher angel as we talked about is not you know a meryl streep by any imagination but i thought the way that he conveyed how like how hurt he was that he spent his entire life looking for this woman who abandoned him, I thought was done really well. And I liked the fact that he had like built up this image of her in his mind. And it was absolutely not that because we've all been there. We've all like idolized someone and then met them. And it's like, Oh, Oh, you're not at all that way. Wonderful. Great. Okay. I have to rethink my life now. And I completely agree. It's just this thing of like how it was done of Mm. just like, Oh, this woman just left him at an amusement park. Okay, 
how is this woman not arrested? <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't do that. Like I understand. Like and wait, 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 wait. So we have wizards. We have people who are given magical powers fighting the seven deadly sins. But you draw the line at child abandonment <laughs> in believability. I completely draw that line <laughs> because it bothered the hell out of me the entire time. I was, I was sitting there just like, just make her dead. Just, just kill her all. Come on, just make her dead. Well, like, at least I, his like, dad's I, in prison. It, well, no, and, and like I completely agree with you in that the young actor did a great job in making it believable and really pouring in emotions into that scene. I fully believed him when uh, like at that scene where he's like memorizing and like building himself up to go to the house was a great yeah. scene and it was a great idea. It's just this thing of just like, well, I get you can't make her a heroin addict, but can we get like something yeah. in between? Because that's absolutely, like, I think in a darker movie they would have gone for. Completely. And, like, yeah, it, it was just this thing of just, like, I kind of wanted, like, if you're going to make w one dark element to this movie, make it that. Like, mm -hmm. because I always have this philosophy with kids, with especially things that we make for kids in entertainment-wise, is that we shouldn't treat our children like they're idiots. And we should... We sh to tell them the truth at times and that sometimes life isn't fair and sometimes life is dark but you can rise above that and you can be so much better than where you come from which would have been a great element to it but they went with the whole oh i was super young and i didn't know what i was doing but you know you're okay now right and it's just like this okay this was this is well acted but not good enough payoff so i think in like tone wise it made sense to me and if mm -hmm. you're going to make something for kids, Shazam is absolutely the one to do. Because this is, at its root, about a kid. And like that's who it should be. All of this should be for kids. But if we're going to go into the darkness and into the drama that these characters can convey, like Shazam's the one where we get to really get that breath of fresh, fresh air. Yeah, and I think it's it should be a you know, kind of a cornball comedy. And I think there are a lot of beats that hit that. Um, I I love the gas station robbery. I love, like, yeah. they don't know yeah. that he's, like, bulletproof. He gets shot, and Freddy's just like, okay, but we don't know if it's just you or it's the suit. Shoot him in the face. And the guy's like, yeah, 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 yeah shoot me face. in the face. <laughs> and just, I, I think there's a lot of heart, and there's a lot of great moments. As we've said before, the chemistry between Zachary Levi and Jack Dylan Grazer is off the charts. And if it was just the two of them, I think it would have been a more focused story. Chris, when it comes to, like, a a screenwriting perspective when it comes to building out a first origin story when you're trying to establish all these characters how do yeah. you think they could have improved on balancing that because they're they're juggling a lot here they're juggling a lot of characters yeah. a lot of plot lines a lot of motivations mm -hmm. so how do you think they could have improved that and how maybe would you have tackled it well so it's it's interesting um again for as bad as i shit on it for not for me not liking it because the kid, it's it's a kid superhero film and again I, I that's just i'm just putting that out there i don't enjoy kind of kid stuff that's just not where i'm at now but when you switch gears and look at it from that lens i think they did actually a pretty good job i mean i i mean i agree with what andrew says for the most part but i do think that by seeing this by by telling the story the way they do 
you kind of see the kids get shit on. Even when it's the very first scene where, when the father and the older brother shit on the younger kid, it's like, well, if you're, if you're the youngest, you've probably kind of, uh, you've seen that, but that doesn't mean that you can't be some evil dictator someday. So knock yourself out, kid, but <laughs> shoot but, for the stars, it, I, follow your right? dreams, be a dictator, right. Get that layer in the volcano. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they did actually a decent job doing that. Um, Zach Levi and, and Jack Razor to me, and this is why I think they casted him and not uh, they casted him in the role that they had and not uh, Batson because they needed to keep their their best two their best two guys needed to be on camera even if it's you know maybe not the best role for the kid. That's I fair. thought the same thing when I saw um, the first season of Stranger Things, and uh, and I and I don't want to get too far off track here, but Will might have been a good child actor but he couldn't have been in the, maybe the, the the big four because maybe his acting chops and i'm not saying they weren't but mm-hmm. someone made the decision that this kid isn't because let's be honest you want to put your best players in the field sports absolutely ball, right we there it is have our check it off on your bingo cards the camera that's right we want a touchdown and we roll this camera <laughs> and so <laughs> so like we want to have our we so i i think that was done obviously on purpose and, and i really think that he did um a decent job with it because what I, I you get you get introduced to a bunch of different little like nuggets right but in the end you really care about Zachary Levi's relationship with his family but specifically Jack Jack right Jack Razor's character um and for me that's kind of where the film really lives and dies like I love the part you mentioned about about um uh the superhero kind of skills test and of course that has that has those two the convenience store robbery that has those two mm-hmm. um the part when uh especially when when the two bullies in the truck beat up um grazer they're in that part of it so for me it's like the best parts of this film have those two characters in it so i think that what the director and the writer did kind of really funnel the, our attention to that part and even when we kind of came off of it it wasn't for a long time and that's kind of why i think if we were going to say you know what the, the whole, you know, I dumped my kid and I, and I agree. She should have been arrested. Like you just don't yeah. walk away from a kid when you're seven. Yeah. You don't lose someone when you're 17. Like that's not how shit works. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think when we come away from that, it's only for a short amount of time. They, the writer and the director bring us back to what they know they have in spades with those two characters. So mm-hmm. we'll come away from it from a little bit, but not so much that we forget where our bread and butter is at. And, I'm a huge fan of, of David F. Sandberg. I think he's kind of. Do you guys know his backstory, real quick? Just kind of tell tell about us about how it. How he. So he got his him and his wife um, are I I forget what nationality they are. they used, they lived in Europe I believe, and they would make short films. So uh, his YouTube is called Pony Smasher. It's incredible. If anybody hasn't been mm-hmm. to his YouTube, check it out. If you're interested in filmmaking, BTS, anything like that, because the dude, even though he's an accomplished director at this point. He, it's funny, we were watching something on uh, on his YouTube channel and he still gets frustrated with general filmmaking things. It's like, you know, we, we talk about like, how the fuck can we not make this work? We've done this before and he has the same issues. So it's nice to see that. But like he got his start in a, um, I think it's an, oh, a 90 second or 60 second film competition. He did the short uh, Lights Out, mm-hmm. um, which is which was, which was was then turned into a feature, which... I think he directed. Let me see. I, no, actually, he didn't direct it. Oh, he did direct it. So not only did he win this competition, which was open to the fucking world, um, he also got noticed. He got signed. They flew him out to Hollywood off of his 60-second short. They signed him to not only write but direct 
a feature version of this short. And then from that, the next year, he went to Annabelle. And then two years after that, he did Shazam. And then now, whenever Hollywood opens back up, he's going to have Shazam too. So the mm-hmm. dude is kind of like my hero. You know, he's, yeah, he's for one of those sure. people that he made it in YouTube. Like he made a 60 second short that turned into a Hollywood filmmaking career. So, mm-hmm. and you know, I, but but anyway, I, I kind of like what he did. Again, I don't I don't ha- I, I hate that it's a kids movie. I hate that. Mm. I don't hate what he did with the scope and the lens of that movie. That's you know. So this, the directing and screenplay for me wasn't. Again, if I look at it through the lens of what they were trying to accomplish, I think they did a decent job. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, and and I think it's it should be said that I mean obviously like you're not the target audience for it, and there are reasons that it exactly. didn't. It didn't yeah. connect with you, and that's totally fair. Right. Like, I don't think as as us manly men here, we're the technically <laughs> the target art audience for this film, which is unfortunate because Andrew's <laughs> just flexing as we, as we yes. continue on here. Um, because we're we're really not the the target audience for this. You know this this film was made for kids. You know shazam flosses at one point and i'm like this is a kid's movie and it's it's one of those things where i i can see it and i can kind of appreciate it for as it is but i definitely agree with you that there are moments where i kind of like i bounce out of it for a second because i'm like i am not in middle school this is not who i am anymore but then you get those moments with certain characters like i was saying with with freddie he brings me back to that childhood moment where it's just like, oh man, you know, would you would you rather be invisible or would you rather fly? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, it, it, it warms my heart. And it kind of gets you yeah. in, it drops my walls down and gets me, you know, vulnerable to watch this movie. And I think that, like you said, they absolutely played to their strengths with, um, with Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddy being kind of that, like, holding your hand through this universe. Because I think for what it does, and for the fact that this is clearly a Shazam movie, they do a really good job making this DC universe adjacent. Like, this is clearly in a world with other superheroes in it. And I like that aspect of it. Like, they talk about, like, oh, who would win between this guy and this guy? Or, like, you know, like I said, with Freddy wearing a different shirt, a different superhero shirt every scene. And then the ending, which I thought was really fun. It's dumb and it doesn't make any sense. But I I really liked that, that they were just like, all right, you know, he's like, I'm here with to have lunch with my buddy Freddy and they sit down and he's like and I called a favor and you just see Superman walk into frame and that's exactly <laughs> how a Shazam comic would end and that's why I loved it so much because it was so dumb and comic booky and the way that it does that like cut at the end where Freddy's just like <gasps> and then it just goes straight into the credits I loved it it was something that I laughed out loud in the theater watching it and i went and i didn't mention this earlier but i went and saw this opening night i i'm an old, I'm, an, I'm an old man now i'm an old man now so i went and saw the uh 7 30 uh when's the 7 30 thursday night uh sh- screening i can't do those midnight premieres that's anymore. the way to go now that, that's yes. the way to go i mean <laughs> you know you, you know you get some of the riffraff out you lose some of the crowd it's like yeah that's I well, dude, that. I went to uh, I went to Rise of Skywalker. We watched that, and that's the only time we're going to mention it on this on this uh, on this show <laughs> until the next Geek Explained Extra series. Um, but we we went and saw it at like ten thirty, and I was like, mm, "That's really late. Are we going to be 
Cause I have to, I have to work at like eleven thirty tomorrow. I don't know about that. <laughs> like I felt so old. But anyway, yeah, I went and saw yeah. this, and I remember really enjoying it. I I even I loved how dumb the mid credit scene was. It introduces Mister Mind. Mister Mind is the dumbest comic book villain in the world. He's a caterpillar who has a genius intellect. It makes no sense. But I loved. It doesn't need to because it's a movie made for children. And I think as what they're trying to establish, they swung big. They said, we know exactly what we're making here, which we can't say for all of the DC films in this series. Yeah, that's and, true. And it's something that I think they succeeded in. And it's something that, you know, whenever you pull up a comic book nowadays, um, especially if you look I mean really you can only see it in a DC comic book but if you open up a DC comic book and you see an ad for like an HBO Max or a DC Universe their big three now is Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam it's got all three of their faces so that's their big trinity nowadays and I think that if they are going for like Wonder Woman is for the you know the kind of broad appeal for everybody Aquaman is for the the burly the the burly uh, my mans and you know Shazam is made for a younger audience I think if you have that business model and that's kind of your focus on it it can work and I think that's I mean unfortunately that's what you know the roles that Superman and Batman were supposed to fill but it's for what they're doing and what they had and what they were trying to make I think they succeeded yeah no I I agree in that with the intent of oh let's make a fun kids superhero movie like you're absolutely right in that in that idea and in that fashion it really does come through when in like batman versus superman it's just like (laughs) what the fuck are you trying to say are these superheroes exactly what is this and for me i mean i i got to watch this because i watched the i actually I, i enjoyed it so much i watched it twice to pair up for this um but the first time I watched this was after, and no lie, like after watching Justice League, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good! This is, yeah. this is exactly what I need to watch after this." And it's one of those things that, like, the reason I had to watch a second time, I was like, "Maybe I'm being biased because it's right back to back with this. Maybe I need to take a step back first. But watching it a second time and knowing that this is what they're going for do they knock everything out of the park absolutely not i think some of the um kind of the contrivances of the end fight aren't as good as they could be i would kill for a daytime fight i would kill for a daytime final battle that is all i want from these movies and i by god i don't know if we're ever gonna truly get it um But I think honestly, this is this is something that is one of the strongest approaches for this series that we've had so far, and that was reflected in the one award that this film won. <laughs> this film won one award, but it was for the uh, National Film and Television Awards, where it won Best Comedy. I know, it's strange, but. I think, you know, honestly, like I said, for what they're going for, for this to be a pure, like, kids comedy superhero movie, it absolutely deserves its one accolade. But it's not all about... Yeah, everybody gets one, except for um, one of these didn't get an award. I can't remember which one. But anyway, um, 
But it's not all about the physical awards. It's not all about the people who put their butts in seats. Sometimes it's about numbers. So welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Chris's Number Corner, where we're going to talk all things numbers. Chris, first off, give us some of the numbers when it comes to box office. Because if there's one thing that I know about this movie is that it did not make money. (laughs) <laughs> that's true um although if you look at percentages it's 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 not bad so the budget was 100 100 even um wait 100 which, even coincidentally yeah well 100 million yeah so well well yeah obviously and, but <laughs> well, well so so the next cheapest the next most expensive film is wonder woman at 149 so mm-hmm. this movie had the second smallest budget of all the dc films at this point Actually, all of them at this point had the lowest budget. Opening weekend, it scored fifty three point five million, which is pretty good. Um, mm. It was going in with us was running at that time. Captain Marvel Ooh, was right. on her last legs for for the MCU at that time. Dumbo, so it it it, it kind of everyone came out in a very remembers the yeah. dumb critical yeah. and yeah. box office smash for the that wrongest, was Dumbo. Oh yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so it was it it really kind of. Um, ran its legs well and anybody knows anything if you if you release a film that's somewhat decent and spectacly in december it's going to do well it's not i don't think this would have done well in the summer slate of films which is you know Mm -hmm. why they wanted to kind of keep it off their portfolio for december also the fact that it's christmas doesn't hurt it but i think that for what it was i think this that december was kind of a perfect storm to get whatever it could at that point. So 53 yeah, million the opening weekend. Um, overall, it got 140. So plus 40 million in its budget domestically. And then um, overseas, it got 225 million. So it really did well um, across the pond. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So overall, it made 36.5 million in its run, which when you stack it up against the other DC films, you're right, Eric. It didn't make that much money. But. It is the number two critically acclaimed uh, in Rotten Tomatoes ranked film there is. So it's 90% on Rotten for critical and 82 for audience, which is only mm. second behind <laughs> Wonder Woman. So you, Wonder listeners, Woman you can't DC's... see this, but but Andrew is having a conniption here on camera. He is, <laughs> he is, he's having a stroke behind his microphone right now. <laughs> yeah. Rotten Tomatoes in this day was run by children. So it's like maybe that's what they were playing to their audience. Leave them alone. They were. And, and I, again, so, so through Metacritic, Metacritic is, uh, it's a 71. And so second behind Wonder Woman, which is 76. So Mm -hmm. at, at this point, Shazam is the, uh, I can't believe it. The number two critically acclaimed uh, film in the DCEU at this point. So it's crazy. It didn't earn a ton of money, but it, it made almost three times back its budget. And I mean, let's be honest, they greenlit a sequel. So, mm-hmm. you know, Must have done this was right. just the introduction of the character. And I think that, you know, if things play out the way they do, I mean, that budget will probably get another 50 million for the sequel. Whenever that happens and expectations will be much, much higher because of how well the first Shazam was received, despite my thoughts and feelings and heart. So it's whatever. Well, their audience will have aged into high school at that point. So, I mean, they're, they're going to want to elevate their storytelling. That's true. And these kids <laughs> will look much older. 
I mean, hey, it's true. What is it? Oh my god, These Jack Dylan kid- Grazer just from it to this movie is like night and day. It's scary. Yeah, how quick they're growing. He's a man now. He's he's a man. He's at this point. <laughs> he's twenty seven years old now. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's interesting because like. A, Again, like I, in the grand scope of things, when you look at, oh, they only made, you know, just over 300 million compared to something like a billion dollars for Aquaman. It's like, okay, that, that it didn't make money. But I, looking at it from that perspective of percentages, what they needed to make back, what they needed to get to be considered in a profit, it actually, it did make money. And I think there is a reason that it, got greenlit because it did make money it wasn't terrible it wasn't justice league so like they decided they could move forward with it that's that's just gonna be the phrase now it wasn't justice league (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that's true isn't it kind of a thing of just like it's also kind of i don't think they had like if you think of it like in a business aspect there's no way they thought this was going to make a billion dollars. Oh, because sure. they put because they put in like comparatively the least like a lower amount of money. Going if you double it, you're a success, and we give you a sequel. You tripled it, awesome. You're definitely getting a sequel. Like that's where my mind goes. Oh, for sure. That's great. That's how I would see it too. And I think that's from what from my understanding and my kind of exploration into that subject with the studios. That's exactly how it's looked at. And I think that um. You know, Aquaman got they had an ex, they doubled Shazam's budget. It was two hundred million dollars. So, and not for nothing, Aquaman's opening weekend in the states was sixty-seven million. Here is fifty-three for Shazam. So it's not like those numbers were so skewed that that it was it was a big deal. It's where they That's released Aquaman point. to the overseas market, which made eight eight hundred thirteen million dollars. So it's like the majority of it, yeah. At, yeah, so at that point, it doesn't matter. My question is this. I have a question when I'm looking at my breakdown here. I'm wondering if at some point do you guys think that somebody at Warner's in their boardroom with their map of all the things they're going to do, at one point, did they say we need to flip our tone? Do they? Do we need to change our portfolio per se, right? We've been investing in these really dark, strong stories, and all of a sudden, these aren't hitting the way you want them to hit. But – Aquaman hit big and Aquaman is not like Man of Steel. It's not even like Batman v Superman, right? So Aquaman, Shazam, and then birds. So those are the back half of the the most recent things we got. So those are the things that, you know, you look at how your scientific observation is, you look at how your your experiment started. It's not where you think it's going to end up. So how do we adjust it to make sure that we all have jobs come 2022? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I, I, do you guys think there was a shift in the thinking that like, you know what, maybe we need to come away from this really dark sense of, hey, we're the DC, we can be more serious, more dark, and, and to where it's like, well, we can make an Aquaman that basically is the most colorful movie ever made in a Shazam, which is a kid's superhero movie, and, and Birds of Prey, which is kooky in its own right. So um, do you guys think that happened, or was it just, was this the plan all along? I personally i think there had to be a moment especially like after wonder woman where like maybe not money and uh financially wise it was because like it like wonder woman made its money back Mm -hmm. which is always the biggest thing but critically a lot of more people enjoyed it over man of steel and batman versus superman and certainly suicide squad 
And like you could tell during Suicide Squad, like right from that trait, like the evolution of the trailers for Suicide Squad, you could tell there was meetings just like we got to change this up. We got to someone's got to smile. Someone's got to tell a joke like we are. We are. We got to get more Captain Boomerang. We got to get more Captain Boomerang. <laughs> but like I, I completely think that like, although I would argue that like Birds of Prey is kind of its own thing tonally and kind of decision making wise but we're going to get to that soon but i think like there there had to be like in a special moment where it was a board meeting saying look this watchman style way of telling stories is not working for us it is not bringing people into seats and marvel has that root of telling stories you can show your kids show your teens and show the parents and still enjoy we got to figure out how to do that. Like it, it just makes the most sense to me. Absolutely. I think um, a lot of it has to do with uh, direction, just general direction for the line. Uh, we talked about in our justice league episode, all the drama with Kevin Sujihara, who is running uh, Warner brothers and DC films at the time, him being ousted because of all of that stuff. Following that, we didn't talk about it, but following that, a man by the name of Walter Hamada was brought in to kind of oversee DC films. And Walter Hamada has, we've never actually seen him talk, which is eerie. Um, he's actually going to be making his first like public appearance in his role at DC Fandom uh, during a panel with Greg Berlanti and Jim Lee, which I'm really excited about. But he seemed to have this shift in mind because after Justice League, with the amount of studio interference, with the amount of just fuckery that went on with that movie, I think Walter Hamada had to look at, okay, out of the movies that we had up to this point, so we're talking Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, and Justice League, which was the best of all of those? I, well, when it comes to, like, reception, and I think Wonder Woman was the one. What worked with Wonder Woman? Okay, this was a director's vision from start to finish. This was Patty Jenkins going through, warts and all, making a film that she believed in and put her entire, um, her directive behind. So we need to shift gears and go in that same direction. Say what you will about Aquaman, and trust me, we did. Go listen to that episode. <laughs> that movie is very clearly James Wan's vision for the film. Regardless of all of the wonky, weird choices that are made in that film, James Wan made those choices. And I think you can say the same thing about this film. Shazam, for better or for worse, is David F. Sandberg's vision for the film. It is what he wanted to accomplish, being a fun, comedy, kids movie, and it is exactly what he set out to do. And I think that as we go on into our next episode, which is going to be Birds of Prey, spoiler alert, um, oh. that directive has continued. And we've seen that with what's been greenlit following that. We saw it with Joker, for better or worse. We saw it with the Batman. We've seen it with the Batman, with Matt Reeves kind of being handed the keys of the kingdom and say, do what you want with Batman. Please just make it good. Uh, I think the direction... <laughs> wasn't so much that um, we need to mirror Marvel as much as possible, because I think that's ultimately what became the problem in the first place. The problem was, okay, we made Man of Steel, it was really good, but now we need to follow the Marvel 
um, the Marvel method and just cram as many characters in as possible. I think they decided that we want to make sure that every film is a specific director's vision. And for each of the films following Justice League, I think for better, again, for better or worse, we've seen that. And Shazam is absolutely an example of that, as well as the following film, which is Birds of Prey. But doesn't that create an issue with if they're trying to maintain a, a specific universe that 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 we're going to have these like and we could talk. about And I think you and I actually, Eric, talked about this one drunk mm-hmm. about how Joker maybe yeah, is, is we, we did. Part of, yeah, you know, <laughs> we, how we did talk about part this. Of, right? I remember us shouting at and, uh, each other on the yard house patio. <laughs> Three that, drinks in. Right. I remember right. that <laughs> vaguely. See? I remember bullet so points. Like, Right. So like that, that maybe, I don't know if that's, I think you're right. I think going and trying to copy a, a Marvel, I guess, method with their IP is exactly what I would have done. I think that's probably what all of us would have done at first. And now I think that yeah. maybe the successful thing for them to do would be to what they're doing. They've kind of, maybe they've kind of found that niche after a couple failures where, like Andrew said, Birds of Prey is kind of its own thing tonally obviously shazam it's kind of its own thing totally the only problem i have with that is that shazam kind of links itself to the universe by the end credit scene when uh, Mm -hmm. when when superman kind of comes through which by the way i'm sure you know this but at that point henry cavill had 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 that weird exit from being superman he had that weird you know Mm -hmm. so and that's that's again part of the problem i have that's actually the shazam stunt double in that uh, in oh, that is it really? Superman suit. In it's his, suit? it's his stunt. No. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's awesome yeah. I, to be that stunt double. Just being being able to be both Shazam and Superman in the same film. Yeah, like that's yeah, a dream. That's me. That's also me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I, but you know, it's I think that that's maybe the issue that I'm maybe having with the films is at this point it's like, well, you know, we need to kind of do our own thing mm-hmm. and maybe make different. Because I think for if Joker, and I'm not going to get into Joker because I have I have big issues with Joker, but like that doesn't seem to fit with this universe. But it's right. not it's not bad. Like if it were to be its own film, it, and the Batman, from my understanding, is going to be like that too. Mm-hmm. Well, Joker is in its own own corner, and I think they've really they've stated that they're going to be focusing on more like self contained stories going forward because the interconnectivity in is really to this? correct the oh, interconnectivity is what messed with it i think again like jumping into trying to like cram too many you know toys into your sandbox i think with them having like a distinct vision like i can if i really squint really hard i can see shazam and birds of prey being in the same world i can see shazam and aquaman being in the same world i can see shazam and wonder woman being in the same world but i think this idea of like oh hey these things are kind of conflicting with each other doesn't necessarily need to be like okay a flat um a flat tone throughout which the marvel movies have been criticized for as well andrew how do you what do you think about that like for me how it is specifically is like you can have your own individual story in its own individual way in its own individual view but if you're going to bring characters together that's when things start to get interesting is how do you as that piece of art bring in all of these different sort of forms of storytelling and make it cohesive and understanding so i'm more in the camp of just like if you're going to do the team make sure that the tone of the team like makes sense into that into what you're trying to do though like it it would kind of be weird to see like shazam interact with affleck's 
Batman right oh out of the Batman versus Superman. Like, it would be really, really weird. Imagine? No, exactly. But then when you get Justice League, which kind of almost tries to do that and bring in these multiple different ways of storytelling and multiple different looks of characters into one pot, uh, like the Batman scenes on the rooftops and like with all that does kind of make sense to what they presented to us. But mm -hmm. so does all the Wonder Woman stuff that we presented already. So that sort of combination of stories mixed together in a melting pot can work. And I think it can work really well because it kind of shows different perspectives of different stories. Like that was a thing with me is that I enjoyed Joker. Like, for, but in that sort of way of just like, oh, this is a separate movie outside a universe and you are your own thing and you are your own story okay and a lot of I, I completely understand the criticisms with it but when you understand that this whole lens of the camera is being told through arthur's story so much more starts making sense and having like in shazam for example having a 14 year old behind the lens of the camera in in a sense makes sense to what they presented with us because the, like the scene where he takes a swing of beer and then spits it out immediately i thought was so great because that's <laughs> yeah. exactly how a 14 year old reacts to it but having a Superman's hand movie where he thinks he's Jesus and he doesn't know if he wants to be Jesus makes sense why it's uh, why it's up its own ass so much. Yeah, well, and good. No, but but that's but it was just to reiterate my point in that you can have I think multiple flavors and multiple outlooks on a story or in a grand universe. I even encourage it and just like look, you can't serve the same dish in a meal. Like you, if, especially if it's a multiple courses, something has to be different between each of them to make you hungry for the next one. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. To be honest, like that's something that the comics always do really well is when you bring in two characters who just do not match up together at all. Some of my favorite crossovers, you know, speaking of Marvel, are in the comics when Spider-Man ends up running into the Punisher. Because there's such two different characters and Spider-Man immediately has to be like, whoa, why are we killing people? Let's not kill people. <laughs> and like, having that kind of clash of styles is exciting. And it presents a challenge on how you approach these stories. Like, how are you going to make these two characters coexist when they're so opposite from each other? And I think that's something that we saw done, I think, very well in the original Avengers movie. When you had, because yeah. if, you, if you have Iron Man 1, and then you watch Captain America the First Avenger right after that, those are two very different movies in two very different worlds. But the kicker of it is to have them run into each other in Avengers on the same screen and go, holy shit, okay. We've got these two people who are obviously not going to get along because of their core traditional values. And so I think that it's it's doable. I think that you have to really work hard at it. Um, and it. But if done right, it can be really compelling. We can have a Superman who's just like, and obviously we don't know the status of Henry Cavill at this point with everything, who's just like, hey, you know, I died and I might be Jesus. I don't know. And Shazam being like, are you Jesus? That's really weird. <laughs> and like kind of back and forth would be fun with that. You know, there's been rumors that, you know, Henry Cavill as Superman might make a cameo in Black Adam. I don't know how that would work. But like, 
but I think it's exciting and it gets me excited to see like, oh man, what would happen when 14-year-old Billy Batson as Shazam runs into Wonder Woman and, and is like, there is a definite age gap here, but not when I'm Shazam. And you can play with interactions like that and really tell these stories that you wouldn't be able to tell being standalone stories. Um, I think you can you can have your cake and eat it too. You just have to care about it and you have to work hard. Completely. So that is yeah. that is my uh, yeah. that is my view on that. But as we are winding down here, wrapping this up, uh, final thoughts, ratings. You know the drill. You know what comes at the end of the episode. I am going to start with any, meeny, miny, Andrew. What are your <laughs> final thoughts on Shazam, and how would you give? How would you rate it in your Geek Explained arbitrary rating that exists for every movie except Justice League? Justice League. I still refuse to rate that movie. Um, like I said at the beginning, like missed opportunities, like a lot of things that could have been heartwarming, but just didn't. Just again, it's. I go back to the horseshoes effect. It just didn't reach the its mark, and it didn't connect. And like I tried, I've really tried to put myself into the mind of just like, all right, if I was ten again. Where when I was ten, it was two thousand three, and we had Ben Affleck as Daredevil. So for that was any of you, forty years ago, it, yeah, exactly. Those are dark times. Yeah, very dark times for a superhero movie. Like like visually dark times. Like you couldn't see anything that was happening in those movies. No, exactly. But I also remember being around that age and watching like Spider Man two, like by myself at the theater, and like thinking, wow, this is a really great movie. And then I tried to I, I tried to ask in almost sort of like, you know, in just in my head of just like, hey, would, do, would you like this movie? And like, you know, nine, ten year old me would probably be like, it was fun. And it's just like and that's it. Like, it's it's fun. It's dumb fun. It doesn't it's not harmful. <laughs> it's not. I, I can't say physically it, angry. It, it, this movie doesn't make me angry. Aquaman <laughs> made me angry. Right? Justice League <laughs> made me angry. Right? Batman versus Superman filled me with rage, which I have to go to therapy. <laughs> so yeah, he has to check into therapy after this episode is wrapped. Every single time. <laughs> but so I think I would rate it like I would give it like a like a five on a bad day of four on a great day of six, but like a solid five is what I would probably give it as. That's fair, Chris. Yeah. Um, no, I, I kind of I, I agree. I, I don't know. I mean, again, if it wasn't we're not the target audience. We said that, you know, since the beginning of this. And I do think that even though that we're not, there are still things to chuckle at. The convenience store is funny. You know, the first time they drink beer is funny. They come back to, and Jessica said, it. you know, with a whole bunch of like red vines and Cheetos yeah, and, and sodas red and, like, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's about right there. You know, and I, I I like that part. There there are parts that are are genuinely oh, that's cute, that's funny, but it's cute and it's funny. And anybody who knows me, I'm not a cute, funny kind of liking dude. So when I when I remove that from how I'm looking at this and how I'm gonna rate it, I think then it does okay. I mean, like, I think I would give it maybe a seven, maybe a six. Nah, I would give it a seven. No, nah, I'd give it a six. I'd give it a six. And I would say <laughs> this is a great introduction for a kids' film to. Uh, you know, a superhero film, and it's a Christmas. I hate Christmas films. I hate them. I cannot. I cannot stand Christmas films. You know, that's just that's, so. This has got everything working against who I am. But 
Oh yeah, man. yeah. So so definitely a six. I think they did some. Di- I think they did some good things. I think they did some okay things. But um, is it a must watch? Nah. I mean, I would say no. I, I would watch. I'm not. I'm going to take a lot of shit for this one. But I would watch Man of Steel way before I'd watch Shazam, and I would probably watch. Hmm. I might watch. Nah. Just Man of Steel. Just Man of Steel, and maybe Walk Him. Oh, maybe over Wonder that's, Woman. That's really. It. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, well, I've, I've watched Wonder Woman a, a ton of more than enough times to have to watch it again. But if we were just saying in order, yeah, it would be Wonder Woman for sure. But I think I've seen Wonder Woman since we've been doing this maybe seven times because it's the best <laughs> out of all of them. It's good just to have on, like, oh yeah, that's, that's a cool scene. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so my rating is a six. I would, if I had to watch the catalog of DC films, I would probably put this one third or fourth, fourth in the list of, of terms of when to watch it. And Chris alluded to it before during during this segment, but uh, tune in for our full-on Christmas marathon in December in our next <laughs> Geeksplained Extra series where we make Chris watch every Christmas movie ever. I, I will be here for, for uh, a Christmas carol and every single version of that, every other, every other one, I'm out. What about Die Hard? <laughs> All right, God Every time, Eric, every time you remind me that Die Hard's a Christmas movie, you're absolutely right. That, that's true. And what about Iron Man 3? That, uh, that is... That's not a Christmas movie. Die Hard 3 is a Christmas, Christmas movie. Watch it. It's a Christmas movie. Watch it. No, it's not. Have you not. watched the movie? That's not fair. Have you watched it? It's a Christmas movie. Anyway, um, I definitely agree with everything you guys are saying. I think um, the film doesn't reinvent the wheel, but... For what it's trying to do, it doesn't have to. It just has to not be Justice League, which we talked about before. And I think in that, it does a great job. I think everyone, for the most part, is likable. Um, Mark Strong does not get nearly enough to do, which is a shame. But the fact that they kept him alive and that he might get more to do in sequels does give me hope for that. Um, I think the Shazam family is kind of hastily introduced, but I do like the dynamic with all the kids. Um, Jack Dylan Grazer is a standout. Zachary Levi is a standout. When they're together, it's magic. Um, and honestly, it's it's a fun time. This is a film that I could see people having the same, um, same fun memories of that I have with the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Because that movie has aged a lot. But as a kid, holy shit, was that movie everything. And I could see, and I've talked to, you know, family members and cousins who were just like, oh, I love Shazam. Like, can you get me a Shazam action figure? And I'm like, I don't make that kind of money. But like, anyway, that's that's a tangent. Um, but no, honestly, I think for what they're trying to do, trying to make this what the film was and for the film knowing what it is, I think is a win in itself. And honestly, I would probably... I'll, I'll use uh, Chris's sliding scale here. Um, on a good day, I think it's an 8 out of 10. I think on a bad day, it's a 7 out of 10. But I think that it's a strong movie that is absolutely one of the strongest in the full catalog so far. So that is it for Shazam. Tune in next week or next episode, whenever this comes out, for what might be one of the most divisive films in our whole coverage of these of this series 
Next episode, we're going to be covering The Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn slash Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey slash Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Check that out next time. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. My man. This is Andrew Kincaid. <laughs> this is Chris Carter. And we will alright. See you next time. Come together. Wait, 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 wait. So we have wizards. We have people who are given magical powers fighting the seven deadly sins. But you draw the line at child abandonment. <laughs>